afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We are being joined today by Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. And we look at the market, Mike, and of course, a lot of things being factored in. Guys want to get in the field all across the Midwest. It continues to be some hindering, though some progress is being made, not a lot. And I know that this soybean harvest pressure has been a big factor in the trade again today. Yeah, it really has, and it has ever since we had the USDA report bring the production number down, Susan, and I think the Monday harvest progress report showing that the United States bean harvest is still running behind last year, whereas corn is not, and the wheat planting uh, for winter wheat is not behind. I think that makes a lot of sense and explains a lot of the reason why the beans and the meal have both been in kind of the driver's seat to the upside in terms of the trader's mindset, I clearly I think there was more shorts in the market in the soy complex as a whole before the USDA report, and I think we're still working off that. I haven't heard much as far as commercial buying, however, in the uh, soybeans. I've heard some being talked about in the corn, where corn harvest has been advanced quite a bit, and uh, producers are start going to probably be wrapped up by the end of this week. But as far as actual bean end users looking at buying up or extending their long positions. I haven't heard much other than maybe one or two processors back east. As you look at these weather models, I mean, things are constantly changing, but it just seems to be looping back around to more rain across the Midwest in this next week. Yeah, and we don't know how far north it's going to come because we don't know whether this uh, southern system is just going to stay mainly in the delta and then skate over into the southeastern part of the country and maybe hit the far eastern bean belt. But, you know, here again, that's primary areas for beans where there's still beans in the field, See, whether it's Nebraska or Kansas or uh, uh, Mississippi and, and uh, Georgia and North Carolina. You know, these are all key soy states, and so... I think here, again, the trade has done a good job, both from a fundamental standpoint, a a positioning standpoint of where the funds are the most short, and then also a technical standpoint of the meal trying to bust above some major crucial resistance levels that could uncover additional buy stops. Uh, That number, that level was tested again today at around the 327.5 level. Uh, But these these three things, I think, make sense why we're seeing the soy complex be the leader to the upside and it makes me wonder well if the soybeans can go higher with the kind of supplies we're looking at i mean we take a step back and we realize we're still at an 885 carryover in terms of usda's number and even if we took three bushels off the national yield that'd still be a, well over a 600 million bushel carryover um is does it make sense that the beans would go be going higher well if they are, why wouldn't the corn and the wheat go up eventually with it? And I think that's where I'm at, is that what we're trading right now are these idiosyncrasies, these uh, supply-demand fundamentals, harvest data. Um, and, and I think if we continue to see the meal go higher, I think wheat and corn will join forces and, and move higher with it. Well, we know that China's had a lot of uh, purchases being made through other countries buying U.S. beans. And I know we'll talk more about it on the hog side. But I'm wondering with the soybean meal, are they going to see any pressure with what's been happening with the spread of the African swine fever? You know, you've got just unbelievably major fundamental and political factors coming to roost, coming home to roost in the next couple, three weeks. Uh, The African swine fever is the major, if not if not number two, number one, just behind 
the U.S. midterm elections and whether China feels like it has more negotiating power on a weakened Republican Party and a weakened President Trump. Um, but you've had the hurricanes, you've had the U.S. harvest disruptions, you've had the Brazilian planting pace uh, in soybeans hit a record as of last week. They're now well over a fifth done. They're over 20% done because that was a number last Friday. And you, you have the Chinese working very diligently to reduce their meal needs, their protein amounts of meal in their not just pork uh, feeding rations, but their poultry feeding rations. And uh, I've heard statistics that they're going down from 20% uh, feeding and pork of soy meal down to 12%, and that will not impact scientifically or uh, production-wise the ability of the pork to continue on the same or similar path of growth for maturity and for slaughter. So you've got such major features and major forces in this market. I think it, these all wrapped together make me feel like we do need to continue to hedge rallies, especially if we would break through $9 in lead month beans, break through the 955 level in the new crop November 19 beans. I think it would be wise to get some hedges in place. I'm glad you brought that up because one producer I was talking to yesterday by the combine said, you know, I wonder with everything that's been going on with the shatter happening in so many fields across the Midwest, he says, will beans get nine, $10? Is that something that we should be banking on per se and, and start marketing that direction? I think you do need to think about that at least on a portion because we're looking at a, the highest carryover level, even if we lose three bushels nationally, because of this weather, uh, we're still looking at the highest carryover in 10 or 11 years, and we're looking at a record pace in Brazil, which would suggest they will not have difficulty getting 120 million tons of production uh, in that country this year. And, you know, as far as I had another uh, media person ask me today, well, what about China? Will they have to come in and buy U.S. beans? I think, again, it goes back to the Brazilian weather and the Argentine weather. I don't think China will really push hard on trying to get extra beans bought because of their supplies they have already and the way they're reducing their uh, production levels and their livestock feeding rations unless they see, just like the rest of us, a big problem in terms of weather in South America, then they know they don't have that substitute country and region to go to. Lots of new pressure for those uh, South American soybean producers that they haven't had to deal with in the past. Yes, not just about currencies anymore. They've got political turnover just as, as uh, serious, if not more serious than what we're dealing with. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. Let's look at this wheat market. It's got some struggles going on. Brexit, the dollar, let's just throw some weather in there as well to make it a trifecta. Yeah, and you know, here again, we're up against some pretty critical levels. We're at an inflection point, technically and fundamentally, where we feel pretty confidently that Australia and Russia is not going to be able to compete with us nearly as effectively as they have the last four or five years, Susan. And you've had the dollar break. But what we've seen, and it's been almost identical in terms of trade, is the U.S. dollar has held its 100-day moving average. It's tested at five of the last five trading sessions, held it again today. And we've seen the wheat try and go above the five and a quarter level on a closing basis and almost the same amount of struggle in trying to get above it in terms of the number of times it's tried and it has not been able to. So 
I think you could bring about quite a bit of medium-term, maybe even longer-term commodity index buying if you could see the dollar break below its 100-day moving average and the wheat go above its 200-month moving average. And I think that would really maybe activate some of these commodity index charts and, and uncover some pretty significant buy stops. Why would that be? Because I think the trade would be into an inflationary mindset that hard assets like gold, like wheat, like copper are good to buy. But right now, we're fighting those technicals, and we're also fighting the fact that the United States and the European Union, the handshake trade deal that President Trump made with uh, Juncker uh, back in July, that handshake deal may be in jeopardy. That came in late in the day, and that really told the currency markets to press on the gas, dollar higher, British pound, European Union, uh, European uh, currency lower, and so that takes us out of the competitive uh, nature of wheat exports on already a very poor marketing year uh, wheat export to date. So the, the wheat continues to be very sensitive to those currencies. Well, we know that wheat and corn kind of go hand in hand at times. Is this going to affect the corn market at all? Yeah, great point. You know, in fact, in the USDA's feed outlook just this week, it was either their feed outlook or their livestock outlook, they actually took down the wheat feeding rations and put it more into the corn and other feed grains. And so that's where that $1.50 premium in the wheat really helps keep the feed wheat out of the rations and keeps the wheat more as a food-grade type of commodity. If we would start to see the wheat sink, it would, I think, and especially if we got down below a dollar premium to the corn for soft red wheat, I think that would really start to hurt us as far as the feeding rations. So we'd have to fight another battle in terms of where the corn demand is at. Jump over to the livestock side, Mike. Cattle market, are we seeing some underlying pressure with the feeder cattle? Yeah, and you know, USDA didn't give us a very good report last week. They they took the, the beef production down 150 million pounds for 2018, but they raised 2019 up by 100 and mil- 190 million pounds, most of that in the first half 2019. If you look at the numbers, Susan, then you look at the cattle on feed estimates by the news wires for Friday's report, you've got an on-feed number expected to be 106-plus percent and you've got marketing is only at 97%. I think the report and the USDA numbers um, and the, the pre-estimates for the cattle on feed report and the USDA report numbers both are suggesting cattle are backing up. I can't fight that because the dressed weights are up about five pounds now versus last year. They've been on a steady incline for the last 60 days, so I do think we're backing cattle up. So we got to watch those Ds fast because they're still trading around 118. I was hoping to get more closer to the 120 level before locking in hedges. I'm going to give it maybe till right after the cattle on feed report, but if I can't get 120 in the next five or six days after seeing this cattle on feed report, I'll probably start to lock in some hedges. You know, we haven't heard much uh, talk of weather affecting these feedlots, so maybe they're they're good to go. I think they are okay right now because the, uh, the, the weather is breaking for us. Um, the one thing that I would say to you, too, is though with that new NAFTA deal and, and the currencies that we are starting to see a pickup in feeder cattle imports, I think they were up something like 26% in both July and in August. And that I think a lot of that is probably coming from Mexico and Canada. So that probably is also dampening us some and maybe taking away from po- possible weather issues. What are your thoughts on these losses that we continue to see in the hog market? Yeah, this is mainly a fund-driven trade, I think, because of how long the funds have been. So my hope is they're about done, and we're at the bottom of the trading range of around $54. But you've got a 100-day moving average at right around 53.95 in D's hog futures. You've got the channel trading range 
uh, put in place ever since the middle of August, right around that 5390 level. Wouldn't want to take that out or you'd be opening yourself up to the downside. So I'm hopeful that we've gotten the funds out that we need to get out and we'll start to find some support here in the next couple sessions. Any weight concerns for the hogs? I'm not as worried about the weight concerns because the product market is moving very, very well. And, uh, you know, it seems to me with the new processors coming on, um, we can take on a little bit of extra weight. So if folks are looking at these markets or spending some time in the tractor, uh, real quick, what is the one thing you want them to think about going into tomorrow's trade? You know, the big deal for me is on the soy complex, like we talked about, if we're pricing in three bushels less than a national yield and we take the yield, uh, the carryover back to around 620, 640 million bushels, that would equate to about a 9, 920 price. All right. Best way for folks to reach you, Mike? Best place is globalanalytics.biz. Lots of information on there, lots of useful information. If you don't do the web or the email, call me toll-free, 866-471-2588. Be happy to send you a newsletter. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.